on this episode of After the Battle Campfire, I talk again with Jose. He's back, our favorite coffee guy. We talk coffee. We talk entrepreneurship. We talk about his podcast. We talk about the Constitution. We even go in and talk about Afghanistan from his professional experience. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of After the Battle Campfire. All right, you guys hear it all the time. The typical, if you like this episode, please rate us, subscribe to us, leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify, wherever. Well, it really does make a difference for this podcast. We're small, we're trying to get bigger, and all of this feeds the algorithm so that iTunes or Spotify or Pandora, wherever you find us at, will rate us higher and higher with the more likes and comments that you guys leave. And always, if you guys find value in these episodes, please leave us a comment on the episode or on the show uh, page. And the best way to help us is to share it off. So again, thank you. And we will talk to you soon. All right, we're back again. And guess who I got back? I got Jose back, the coffee man. And I'm not going to say your last name because I can never say it right. Welcome back, Jose. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. So um, let's start with the basics. You are in a completely new location from the last time we talked. Um, I met you when we were doing the HAB project to help you get your, uh, what is it, coffee roaster stu uh, slash now studio space open. How is that coming along? Yeah, it's, uh, I wish I had a way of just flipping this around, but it's connected to a thousand cords. Uh, but we, um, we actually have quite a setup. We're pretty much done. Um, I have one leak that I can't chase down. I've already tarred the whole roof like three times. It's going to have to happen. It's going to have to hire somebody, I guess. But besides the leak that occasionally happens, uh, we've got the, everything's done. I mean, I've got the full, the place is completely insulated. Um, I haven't done much with the floors. I don't think I'm going to, cause they're kind of finished anyway, but, um, it's a place that I can work out of. It's 100%, uh, FDA compliant. Um, as far as what I do, since I don't invite the general public out because it's not a coffee shop, I don't have to have a bathroom. And, um, and so I just have to run inside, which is not a big deal. Uh, but we have everything else. I've got the sink that I'm supposed to have for my equipment and, and a hand wash sink and I've got fire extinguishers. And anyway, the, the whole uh, shop is pretty much completed. And I mean, I operate out of it every day. And so, so did you it's get pretty awesome? Did you get the roaster in there then? Is it, are you roasting inside that little facility that we helped you? Oh with? yeah. Yeah. Let me see if I can turn it around. Oh, wow, man. Yeah, we are, we are, man, we are fit to be tied here. So you can see the table here on the side with the grinders, uh, the big five gallon white bucket. There's a food grade bucket that's got uh, dark roast in it that we've, that we've roasted uh, just the other day. And, uh, and so, uh, and then of course, okay. You know, uh, look, looking down that camera shot that you just gave us, uh, I almost didn't remember putting the metal siding in when we, when we did that, it makes it really look a lot bigger than, than the two con small container boxes that we were working with. 
It it looks yeah. really professional. Yeah, and the siding makes it look like it's actually finished, you know. And I I still haven't cleaned all the ceiling, you know. I've been I've been started on this end, and I've been going down that way because you know everybody had their hands all over it, and then some of it was sitting outside waiting to get installed, and so it's got you know water stains on it from the rain and but it's it's home and it's uh you know i come out here every morning and uh it's my regular job you know except that it's you know 50 feet from the house instead of uh an hour drive into san antonio so asking for potential entrepreneurs i mean i know we're both part of the veterinary tribe um there's been a big push to work from home pre-covid you know Hey, I get up, I go to my office downstairs in my underwear, I get work done. How much does actually having to leave your house, if it's only even 50 feet away to go to your little facility, make a difference in you getting shit done on a daily basis? Um, sometimes if I'm having a bad uh, headspace day, it's extremely difficult. But the fact that my wife gets up at 5.30 every morning to go to work in New Braunfels helps the fact that, okay, she's up. I got to get up. Let's go. It's time to go. And uh, and not only that, but, you know, I'm still pretty, you know, uh, I left my job in February of 2021. And so I still haven't paid myself yet. Um, and so it, it weighs on me, you know, walking away from that steady paycheck and then and then doing your own thing. But it's a lot more gratifying um, the winds are fewer and further between, um, you know, you go to work every week. I mean, every day and, and, and you get a paycheck at the end of the week. And this is not like that. And so, um, the guy across the street said it for, he's a self-employed, uh, does re, uh, remodels and stuff like that. And he said, man, there's something to be said about hunting for your own food. And, uh, and it really is. I mean, it's people, I think misunderstand that, you know, yeah, it's, it's sexy, man. It's a beautiful, sexy thing to be self-employed and do your own thing and make your own schedule and go where you want when you want. But there's also the the amount of stress that comes with that. Um, things that I'm learning that I never really experienced before because I've never been a person that that worried about stuff. You know, I always just made it. And and the job I came from, man, I was making anywhere from seven to twelve k a month, depending on how much I wanted to work. Damn. And so to walk away from that kind of money uh, to nothing, except my $436 uh, uh, VA check every month, um, you know, even though my wife makes great money and everything, it's still, it doesn't matter that we're not wanting in the house. Like we still, you know, have money for gas and we have money for food and we have money to go out, you know, and, and do stuff. And my sister, we went and got my sister-in-law. She lives with us now. So that's another expense, you know, that, that is part of, you know, everything. It's not much, you know, but still it's something. And those are things that I didn't, I didn't budget for. I didn't budget for having an extra person, you know, in the house. I didn't budget to, uh, cause we pay her, you know, to, to help around the house to clean and stuff like that. And, and so I didn't budget for all that stuff, man. So to walk away from that steady paycheck to being self-employed, man, um, it didn't hit me right away, but here lately it's been like, man, it weighs heavy on my chest. And, and I've never, I've never been that guy that said, man, I'm having a bad head day. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna talk to anybody today, or I'm just gonna go do my own thing, you know? 
And, and, you know, the past few days have been really, really bad for me. And so this morning I decided that I was going to do something different. I went and got my dog and she tore one of my chairs last night, which she's lucky she's alive. I'm just kidding. I love my dog. Um, but uh, I put her on a leash and I, I know how to train them. I've done it before. I've just never taken the time with her because I'm so busy trying to get this business going. And so this morning we spent about an hour doing a walk and uh, doing some training and, you know, I'll do some more with her. I'll, that's just going to be my daily routine. And it's good for my headspace, you know, cause it clears my head. We're just out in the woods. Uh, fortunately we, we, we live on 10 acres. And so we went down to the Creek and went to the other side and I let her chase after some pigs for a minute. And then, uh, and, and it just had, you know, just had to clear my head, but I've never been that person, you know, but man, there's so many things now being self-employed because I took my retirement out to start this business that they have budget for three years. And so even though I'm still just in the first, like, I guess I'm eight months away, right? February, we? March, April, May, June, July, August, September. So I'm only seven months from leaving my job. I've never heard of a business that, that walked off day one and, you know, was in the, in the black. I mean, it's just unheard of. And so uh, I understand that my wife understands it. My wife understands it more than I do. Cause even though she is not the risk taker, uh, she's, she's told me several times, Hey, when have I told you, Hey, there's not money for gas or there's not money for food. So we haven't missed a, a thing since you left. So, um, you know, it's okay. You know, I did my homework ahead of time and I did it so that we wouldn't hurt in a, in a sense that we wouldn't have to change our, our, um, what we were doing, our normal finances. I mean, we have cut back a little bit, but that's just smart, you know, but, um, there's a lot of stress, Matt. I, I never really, uh, understood, you know, how much more to just aside from running the business, like how much personal stress there is. Cause you know, I've got this sense of, I've got to make money. I've got to make money. Yeah. And, and I, so, I, I think part of what, uh, the entrepreneur misses is that we have become addicted. I mean, I know I missed it when I got out of the service was, uh, the first and the 15th paycheck day, <laughs> you know, regardless if I was downrange engaging targets, or if I was at the BAS basically jerking off all day, I still got that first and 15th, no matter what. And then entrepreneurship, like you said, the wins don't come as often, but when they come, they're yours. They're, yeah. It is all yeah. on you for that win. So what I was yeah. what I was getting at earlier though is I know a lot of entrepreneurs um, with the working at or let's rephrase it not at home but in home can get into stumps. And like for me, uh, I live in a little loft and I have uh, videos from my other channel that I need to record. And you know what really helps? Or really, actually, let me rephrase that. What doesn't help is a TV right over there connected to YouTube. And I can just sit on the couch for the next eight hours and do nothing. I think with you, you're lucky because you actually, though it's only 50 feet away from your home, you have to walk out your back door, unlock your containers, but you have an office to go to. Does that help actually leaving your home, going to this other place? Yeah, it does. Cause you know, for the longest time uh, I operated out of my house and I had the roaster in a, in a trailer 
And when I had to roast coffee, well, I'd go out in the trailer and roast coffee and then I'd bring it all into the house. And then, you know, I'm, you know, there might be an episode of uh, Laramie on, on the grit channel that I haven't seen yet. And next thing you know, man, you're, you know, you're watching Laramie and then you're watching tales of Wells Fargo. And, and uh, sometimes it's kind of hard to focus on the task at hand, you know, and with the coffee, it's kind of funny because uh, once I have all my orders out, like right now I'm caught up for the, for the, for the, like, Tomorrow I'll be doing coffee again because I have stuff that goes out Friday. But when I have those downtimes now, because I do have to get up and walk out to my shop, I'm more likely to do stuff that's constructive. You know, like I'll get on, I'm working on a new website right now. And then I'm working on white label. And then I'm working on new contracts, you know, for Seguin and stuff like that. And so it makes it more like, I guess, I don't know if it's easier, but there's a draw. It's not, I, I can't eat, like, even like where my bedroom is, we have French doors in our bedroom that lead out to the deck. And so I can't get up out of bed and go to the bathroom without seeing the shop. And so it's like always right there. It's like, oh man, I gotta go do something. I can't just sit here. And so, but again, part of part of what helps me a lot too is that, you know, my wife gets up at 5.30 every morning. And I've always been one of those early risers anyway, even without the, you know, without the alarm going off so yeah i you know i've been doing i read this book about two years ago called the 5 a.m club and i've been trying to live by that the idea of getting up between 5 and 5 30 every morning and it really does help downside is you're going to bed at nine o'clock every night ten o'clock to get your <laughs> to get your sleep in so your day your days are slightly more compressed compared to probably when you and i were both in and zero five yeah. to zero two was our normal days if we were on liberty and if we were working uh deployed whether in your case on board a ship or mine downrange zero five to zero five some days but yeah. so with uh with you you have third day coffee and we talked about it in the last podcast what the meaning of that uh of the name was have you found inspiration from the name as you're going through this growth and does your does your faith play a big thing to drive you in doing your entrepreneurship yeah the only way that i would be where i'm at man is because of my faith um there's no way that um all the things uh that have happened for us for me to walk away from my job uh for me to do these things they wouldn't have happened uh, if God hadn't put people in front of me. And so, and then one of the things too, that like, you know, my wife always tells me, you know, you've been faithful to what God's asking you to do. And even though I don't love the idea of you walking away from your job and the uncertainty of paycheck from, you know, from here forward, uh, you know, it's, it, it was hard to deny the people that he put in front of you when he put them in front of you. And so, um, I had to leave. I mean, I didn't, I mean, I could have stayed, but I would have just kept, you know, running into brick walls. And uh, that's what I feel like happens when you, you know, don't follow God's will for you. Um, you can go the wrong direction without a shadow. I'm, I'm here to tell you that you can go the wrong direction all day long. And you'll just keep running into walls and trying to, you know, scratching your head. Well, man, what am I doing? You know, I'm not doing nothing wrong. 
well, you may not be doing anything, you know, immoral, uh, but you, it just may not be God's will for you. And so I think part of what happened with me was I got so, um, I'm not going to say a, I pretty much, I guess I was addicted to the money. And so I was to the point where anytime the bosses would ask, Hey, uh, we got somebody out, man, who wants to take their night shift, you know, on weekends. And I'd be like, me, 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 you know, because it was, you know, double time and a half, or it was, you know, at, at the very least it was 10% differential, or it was just, you know, another 40 hours of overtime for the week. And so, uh, I was constantly, you know, uh, I spent most of my time at work. I mean, I was at home very little. And so it enabled us to do some things. I mean, we, we traveled to New Zealand and Australia for a month. Uh, and then we went to Italy and Greece for three weeks. And so I would never would have been able to do those things. Um, and lots of people travel, man. I mean, you know, yeah, you can go put it on a card or something like that. But uh, ever since Connie and I got married, she came out of a bad uh, relationship. So did I. And our finances were totally hosed when we met. And so we, we started following the Dave Ramsey thing, the 14 envelopes and all that good stuff. Uh, and we started doing things like that. And, and we don't follow it to the T, but um, if we don't have the cash for it, we don't buy it. And so those trips never would have happened uh, had I not been working where I was working. And some of those trips were really important, like the, the, the trip we went to New Zealand, my grandson was born. And, um, and so Connie has been back in three years because the year before she chose not to go because she just started a new job. And then the last two years, it's been New Zealand's closed. They're not letting any outsiders in uh, because of the COVID. But, uh, you know, it's hard to walk away from that kind of, that kind of, it's an ATM. It was an ATM machine. I mean, if I needed more money, I'd just go work a couple extra shifts, man. And, you know, go to the ATM and take my money out. I mean, that, that's, it was just ridiculous. So, so do you, thank God. What's that? Oh, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just feel like, like that was just more than a wake up call. It was like, Hey, listen, this is not your purpose in life. Your purpose in life is not to make money. It's to do something impactful. And, and so when I surrendered my life in 2016, I knew I wanted to do something. I just didn't know what. And, uh, and through the coffee, the coffee is just a vehicle. It's just a vehicle for us to share God's message it's a vehicle for us to be able to enable the people that are in Honduras that are farming, that have nothing to be able to help them out. Um, and then we also support veteran groups here uh, in, in my local area. We, we give a, a money to a group called uh, Combat Marine Outdoors. And so the idea has never been to be rich. It's never been to make, you know, a million dollars a month or whatever it is. I mean, if I made that kind of money, that'd be great because I can't even imagine what kind of ministry I could do with a million dollars a month, right? But um, I would love to be bigger than Black Rifle. I mean, if I did, I just, I could think of all the great things that we could do, you know, uh, for people in other places. It would be about money that we're giving away because the way me and my wife believe is that nothing belongs to us. Not the land that we sit on and not the money we have in the bank, not the vehicles. None of that stuff belongs to it's all God's. And we're going to use it to glorify him. So do you feel like, I think this is a trap that people who work a full-time job get into is that uh, working 40 hours a week in trade for a paycheck gives me X amount of freedom. I, I feel like entrepreneurship in general 
regardless if you're successful or not, does give you a lot more freedom. Do you feel like you've gotten more freedom to be flexible with how you work, when you work, who you work with, what you're going to do during the week by taking this big risk that could upend your life? Yeah, I would definitely tell you that it does because uh, I get I play at church on Wednesday nights. I play at the youth, play guitar, and then there's just a lot of stuff. My podcast I do on Friday nights that that almost always has somebody of faith, you know. And even if like I don't ask people when when I do my my pre-interview uh, questionnaire, I don't ask them about their faith. Uh, but I would say that ninety-six percent of all the people I've had on my show. Uh, have had some, have offered some, something that God's done in their life. And I didn't, that's not by design. I didn't, I did intend for the podcast to be a way to share the gospel. And I do, I start every show with thanking God for everything he's given me. I always end it thanking God. And in between, you know, more guests than not, we end up having a conversation, you know, during the, the podcast. In fact, the, uh, this past weekend was a constitutionalist, but it was based on biblical because there's a lot of Bible in the constitution. People don't know that. And then, and then uh, the two weeks prior, both Fridays, I had a pastor, I had an air force guy and I had an army guy, both of them who are pastors uh, on the show. And so, uh, you know, and it's funny because you would think that, that with the, you know, with the cancel culture that we live in, that those would be some of the more low uh, rating shows. But uh, John, the, the guy who came on three weeks ago, John Mitten, he's got the highest rating download of any show that I've ever done. Both he's been on twice. He did the very, he did episode one and then he did episode 36 or 35. And uh, both of those, I mean, people are just constantly downloading them. I mean, they just don't ever stop. And so uh, there's something to be said about that, that, you know, people are missing something. And, you know, there's better ways to get it than just on this. But if I can share to one person and change one person's life, uh, then I feel like we're doing exactly what God wants us to do. So now when you talk about your faith, are you talking directly about uh, a particular religion or are you talking more about the inner feeling that God had something planned for you? I, I don't think that a particular religion uh matters i really don't uh, as long as you know you understand that that you know that god is who god is god the god who spoke the world into existence and so i i'm a christian i mean 80 almost 90 percent of americans identify themselves as being christian uh, it's what our it's what our country was founded on you know judeo-christian principles and so um i have a I have a relationship with god you know, how do you have a relationship? You and I have a relationship. We're always texting backs and forth, you know, picking whatever. Sometimes it's just nonsense. And sometimes it's, hey, let's, you know, a lot about the cats. Uh, but you've been to my house. We've, we've shared a meal. You know, that's a relationship because we've taken time out of our personal life and spent time together. And so uh, that's what a relationship is. And so every morning when I get up, you know, I spend time in this book right here. And so the Bible tells us that that in the beginning, uh, God was the word and the word became flesh. And so 
that's how you spend time with God. You spend time in his word. And, uh, and I spend a lot of time praying. In fact, I, I, I go through these things where I start to realize that, that uh, my prayer is interrupting something that I'm doing. And it's supposed to be the other way around. You should be in prayer so much that your day interferes with your prayer. And so I try to be that. And sometimes it's as simple as doing my morning devotional and then walking out to the shop and just being, you know, thankful uh, for all the things that, you know, that is going on. And the fact that I, that I don't need anything, the fact that, you know, that we're not out on, out on the street because we got kicked out of the house because we can't pay the bills. You know, those little simple things that people forget all the time to be thankful for, you know, God had to make a way for me to walk away from all that money and not, not lose anything and not miss anything. Uh, I couldn't have done that on my own. And, and I guarantee you, there's not a financial advisor on the planet that would have said, oh, that's a great idea. Walk away from all that money. You know, especially given the fact that when I got divorced uh, back in 2000, I lost all my retirement that I started when I was 28 years old. I had to cash it all in in order to, you know, to walk away from that divorce clean, you know, free and free from debt. And uh, and so I started over, you know, 10 years ago. And then I decided to take all that money out and start a coffee business. And so I have zero security blanket right now. My wife does. My wife's got all kinds of stuff. She's got insurance on me. She's got insurance on her. We got insurance on the kids, um, you know, and she's got a great retirement. I mean, she's already drawing retirement from the state and now she's working for the county in Comal. Uh, and so and then she's on staff at the church, which is a paid position. And so, um, you know, she's she's was the smart one of the two. You know, she she stayed put and got her retirement and got her benefits and and, uh, and I've done things a lot differently, but of course I, I ran from God for years and years and years. And so, uh, it wasn't until 2016 that I finally stopped running. So I'm going to ask you kind of a deep question on this one. So there's a lot of people out there, including myself, who I would say I'm a religious, don't prescribe to any religion whatsoever, but have gotten into mindfulness and meditation and gratefulness. Now I've seen a lot of people compare that to prayer, that it's just all of which is just trying to bring you into a moment of being present. Do you see a lot of that? Do you practice anything other than just prayer or do you, I'm trying to think of the right word, or do you just rely on your faith? I think God gave us lots of tools, man. I, I don't think um, I would tell you that for me personally, prayer is the most important thing uh, for me and, and being in the word, because to me that that's the relationship, that's where it starts. But um, uh, I was introduced to him, him or him. What's it called? Uh, Wim Hof, oh, Wim Hof, Wim Hof, the breather guy. Yeah. And because uh, I was a while back, I was really stressed out. In fact, uh, the guy that was here with uh, the big hair and the big beard, big spoon, uh, Chris Shivers, uh, he was here when you, when you were here out here that day that we were working. Um, just a few weeks ago, he introduced me. He says, hey, man, I'm going to give you this link, you know, because I was really stressing out about, you know, man, I haven't paid myself. I need to make some money. I'm freaking out, you know, I'm, 
I'm pretty close to my annual budget, you know, and I still got four months to go, five months to go, whatever it is to the end of the year. Well, not that much now, but, you know, when I asked him about it, I was stressing out. And um, he says, man, you need to try this. He says, just, uh, you know, go before you get your day started, just, just go through this process. And so, uh, you know, it's all breathing. It's just breathing. And I can tell you that using that man is a huge, um, it helps me a great deal with my stress, uh, especially in the morning. Like if I've already got, if I went to bed with stuff on my mind, I didn't sleep well because all this stuff's bugging me. I can get up uh, and do the Wim Hof man. And, and I do the store. It's only like 15 minutes. The one that I do, um, but uh, it's very relaxing and it allows me to, you know, just kind of let go uh, of that stress. And I mean, I've gotten so relaxed that like I've almost went back to sleep uh, doing it, you know. And so um, I know that those are all tools. You know, I, I use uh, CBD gummies to go to bed because I can't sleep. And so uh, I've got some Delta 8 stuff that is perfectly legal. You can buy it off over the counter, you know. Um, but that has really made a difference in my sleep. Uh, you know, that, and I just have to shut off the business stuff, man. Like at eight o'clock, it's like, you know, I, I, I walk out of the shop at no later than six. And, uh, and then, and then I try to shut down my brain by eight. And I, sometimes it's just music. Sometimes it's, it's meditation. Uh, and for most of the, most of the time, you know, I'm usually in one of my books. I've, I've always, ever since I went to seminary, I got really, uh, interested in learning about like how to study and how to go to the original Greek meaning and the original Greek transcripts of the new Testament and the Hebrew and Aramaic of the old Testament. And so I have a lot of study uh, reference material in my office, like hardback books, you know, not like computer study. So I get to actually sit down in my office. I have a huge desk in the office and I'll put my books out and I'll actually study something. And so that can usually get my mind off things before I, you know, before I try to go to bed, because otherwise my brain just like, just doesn't stop. No, I, I feel you. I had to go do a whole sleep routine now too. Um, I do find probably a lot like you that reading does help. So for me, I'm upstairs and try to get an hour. of. I happen to read um, some science fiction novels, which have definitely helped me more than reading uh, say a health and wellness book or something that's something that's putting information into your mind, like a reference book doesn't help with sleep, but reading something uh, fantastical or sci-fi where you can just kind of turn your brain off is always important. So do you keep, I know it's hard with being on social media, but when you shut the doors to the, uh, to the coffee roasting house, do you try to keep that part of you separate for the rest of the night? I, I try. Uh, it's not always possible uh, because, you know, I'm human. And so I let the stress of the flesh, you know, take over. Uh, and if I'm trying to push some deal, you know, you know, I do meetings. Some of the meetings I do, the guys are on the East Coast. And so the meetings don't start till six o'clock, you know. And so I try to do meet, you know, catch some of those. Um, 
and I'm very involved in the in the in the veteran space uh, with a lot of different people, uh, including the Warrior Council. And so there's always something, you know, and I'm not trying to take uh, I'm not like I don't have that shiny thing syndrome. where like, oh, I'm going to try this because look at that. And oh, I'm going to I do that with my dieting because I'm just one of those serial dieters that doesn't learn from anything, even though I know how to do it. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, I see something shiny and I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy that or, oh, I'm going to try that. But I'm not like that with the business, man. You know, I, I keep some very basic principles. Uh, I'm doing some very basic things. But, you know, I love education. I love, you know, learning. And so, you know, if somebody offers a course and something and it looks like something that I want to, you know, brush up on, I might take it just for the sake of because you never know when somebody's perspective is going to give you a new look on something that you already know. And so I know how to do Facebook ads, but if somebody comes up with some clever way to do something, just tweak it a little bit different where you get, you know, 10% more uh, traffic. Well, you know, to me, that's worth it. Uh, It doesn't mean that I'm buying all in and trying something new. It just means that I'm trying to, you know, better myself. And so uh, I do believe that, you know, that uh that there's nothing wrong with constantly trying to improve yourself yeah no i definitely feel you on that um so this is a thing that i'm dealing with with this podcast and i'm curious about how you do it with yours uh, which is a whole nother aspect of your coffee business so do you rely on organic finds or do you actually boost your posts for your podcast I, I do not boost uh, posts anymore. I did that when I didn't know the difference between organic and paid and, and how to maximize your paid. Uh, boosting post is great to get traffic on a post that you do, but it's more, it's not, you can get more out of your money by doing a legitimate Facebook ad, uh, which also posts to Instagram. And I did that when I was first starting the podcast and it wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't asking anybody to buy anything. I just put the date and the time of the podcast, what we generally spoke about. And then I put a link to our, fa- our actual, our website to our podcast page on our website. And so people could go there and they could brush up on some of the old, you know, episodes if they wanted to, or on Friday nights, they could watch it, you know, on YouTube or on our, on our page. And so I've used paid ads for that. Um, but generally speaking, I believe that organic is probably the best way to go because you really find your target audience that way. Uh, with a paid advertisement, they're going to group people into these big categories. And even in that big category, some of those people may not be anywhere near your, your avatar, you know, your, your optimal client and sort of the person that you want to watch your show. And so, uh, I have found that that organically uh, you can accomplish more because not only are the people that you recruit that become fans, they're going to recruit the people that are like-minded to watch also, Hey, you got to check out this guy. He's a Christian. He's a veteran. He does coffee, you know, and they're going to tell their, their circles. And so organically you begin to grow that audience. The only problem with organic man is it's slow. Uh, you know, and I know like you or I don't know if you're the same way, but I know me like I want results. I'm, oh, yeah. I don't have that patience. Oh, yeah. 
I know. You like, know, I want it now. <laughs> YouTube, uh, Facebook, when I post the clips, I seem to get a halfway decent response. YouTube, I've been stuck at. All right, everyone who's listening to this, you need to click subscribe. I've been stuck at 38 subscribers since January. Oh, my God. On YouTube. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with YouTube. Um, that's why also I'm, I'm restructuring it. The, the actual audio downloads have been great. What made you decide to go with live streaming versus like a, like what I'm doing, recording, then posting? Well, initially the, uh, you know, it was pre COVID when we started. And so my first two guests or first three guests were actually in person at the house. Uh, and so, and of course we were in the office. Now we have a much better, you know, we get to sit down at the table and drink coffee uh if you've seen the latest episodes and so you know it, it's something about the guy coming out to your house and you guys sitting down across the table talking about you know whatever the the issues are or like last week was incredible it was an hour and a half but it was all about the constitution um and there's just something about that there's an intimateness there that you can't replicate on a zoom. Oh no, I don't, you know? I don't, I don't mean I like I'm, I'm forced to do zoom because I'm getting people from all over the place until I can right. make some money on this. I am definitely going in person. I mean, doing it as a live show versus a pre-recorded show. Oh, um, I don't really know how that came about to be quite honest with you. I know that, um, I, I like the, the live version because it's not scripted we're, we're never scripted uh the only questions that i ask beforehand is is there anything you don't want me to ask you uh because it's live you know and so i think that when you do a live i think there's yeah there's not you can't um uh, you can't edit it as much well you can't edit it at all really I mean, you can like edit it and then relaunch it, but uh, the raw information is there. So whatever happens during that show, you know, I, I don't know. To me, it's just more like a personal preference, really, because uh, the ideal thing would do would be to pre-record and to run the audio through and to run the video through, you know, and to cut and clip and and make it perfect. Um, but I just think there's something to be said about the imperfection of the live show. Yeah. Like, like, like with us. So I, I don't edit. I'll clip out, you know, a first 30 seconds to a minute that will still be in the actual stream, but we don't edit anything on, yeah on this. Um, it just, because I am to be frank, quite inconsistent when I can get guests on. So, Instead of saying every Friday and not having someone and having to cancel it, it's just easier to record it than post it uh, every Wednesday. But do you guys keep your comments on and do you allow or do you respond to comments in your live stream? If someone says, hey, Jose, where can I get coffee in San Antonio from you? Um, Does that pop up and do you respond to it or do you guys kind of not really acknowledge the comments that are coming in on the live stream. Cause I do know live streams can get a little nuts when it comes to they, people. They can. Comments. I actually have a, um, a monitor on the wall 
that sits right across from our table. And so I have the comments. Um, those are usually the uh, people can comment on it. But when I comment, it only goes to YouTube. I haven't figured that out yet. But I keep an iPad and my cell phone on the table with me. And so I monitor our regular page because it goes on. I use StreamYard. And so it goes to three different platforms. It goes to my regular personal Facebook page. It goes to Third Day Coffee. Uh, our, it goes to our God Country Coffee podcast page. And then it goes to YouTube. And the reason it goes to YouTube is because YouTube is much easier to put into websites. And so it automatically updates every episode on my website. I don't have to mess with it. Oh, nice. Uh, which is nice, you know. So anybody can go to the website at any time and watch any one of the episodes. The only downside to that is like when I do my my tech test Fridays, you know, where I'm just goofing off checking audio and video, uh, that goes on to on to YouTube also. And uh, because I have, I do it exact same way I do the live. That way, I get all the boxes checked to make sure everything's right. Uh, but you know. I really like the idea of people interacting. In fact, I've even like when we had the pastors on, I'm like, Hey, if you got questions, you know, ask, I'm looking at the comments right now. We'll answer them as we're going. Uh, because John and I are such good friends that we could go off on anything. I mean, we, we could go off an entire subject about, you know, trees or whatever. And, and so, uh, the, um, uh, I like answering questions as they're coming through, you know, there's, we're not so huge, man, that, that, that I'm getting a hundred followers, you know, on a live show. I'd love to get there, you know, but, uh, I think when you get started getting, you know, 50, a hundred people watching your live, uh, I could see that getting pretty, you know, crazy as far as trying to answer, uh, questions and things like that. But even then you just like, we've had shows before where we've had 30 people watching, and people start asking questions. And so you just got, I, you just have to scroll through there and, and be like, okay, I'm going to answer this one because I think this will be a great talking point for the next 10 minutes, you know, or, and then you try to go back and answer all of them, you know, especially if they're like, you know, when I have John or one of the other pastors on, you know, some people might have questions and we, we actually go through them afterwards to make sure that we didn't miss anything. Cause the reason I have those guys on, Sometimes they don't want to ask me because I'm just some dude selling coffee doing a podcast. But now that you bring a senior pastor for a local church on, you know, somebody might want to open up to him or ask questions of him, you know, or if I have an expert, like when I had Ben here last week, Ben's an expert on constitution. And so, you know, you know, you might want to reach directly out to Ben. And so even though, you know, we don't generally catch every question that comes through the live uh, which we, we always go back to and make sure that we didn't miss anything, make sure that, you know, if there's something needs to be answered, you know, that my guest needs to respond, they can respond and stuff like that. But I think it would pose a problem if I had a whole lot more uh, live viewers, that would probably be difficult. Well, hopefully very soon you will. I mean, people, there's so many people that listen to this that they're going to start following you. All 38 of my subscribers will probably start following you. <laughs> So, I mean, let, let's jump over to something that I've been kind of curious to get your take on. Um, and it goes back to your old life. So in your old life, you worked with some smart people in a certain community uh, out, out of here in San Antonio. So I'm just going to be blunt. 
uh, back in August, something shitty happened in Afghanistan. And the talking heads that be made it seem like it was impossible for us to predict that this was going to happen as quickly as it did. From your time in that community, do you buy the fact that they had no idea what was, what happened was about to happen with the Taliban taking over as quickly as possible? <laughs> so I, I will tell you this, um, and this is not drawing from my experience there because um, it just it's just common sense, man. It's being a veteran. It's being part of the military and knowing how it works. Uh, and I think it's a bunch of crap. Uh, there is no way they didn't know what was going on. Um, and quite honestly, man, I, I think our president and uh, and I am I am not one to uh, to run around like a lot of people. Oh, that's not my president. Like everybody did when Trump was president. You know, all my liberal friends, man, screaming bloody murder. And I even had a guy tell me that he got pulled over while he was running uh, up at College Station by the police, and that was Trump's fault. And I go, really? I said, did you ever stop to think that, first off, you don't have anything with Texas A&M on? You're 50 years old, and you're running on campus. That, to me, if I'm a cop, sets off a bunch of red flags. What's this old dude, you know, running around campus, and he doesn't have any logo stuff on, so he's not faculty, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, but it was all Trump's fault because Trump set the narrative of racism. And it's a bunch of crap. Yeah, so I'm. I'm not going to badmouth this guy in the sense that he's not my president. He is, you know, and I don't care if the election was stolen or whatever. This is what what happened. The guy was installed. He was sworn in. He's the president of the United States. Am I happy with it? No, absolutely not. Um, do I believe for a second that he knows what's going on? Him personally? No. I believe he was placed there by his party uh, so they could do what they wanted to in the background. That being said, did they have the intel? Yes, they did. Absolutely. There is no way. We're the most technologically advanced country in the world. We're the most, we have the mightiest military on the planet. We've got the, the greatest military that the world has ever seen, period. Uh, and there's no way that they didn't know what the risks were uh, when they made those decisions. So personally, the 13 deaths that happened in August to the Marines, the Navy, and the and the Army in Kabul was 100% uh, blood on their hands. And, and there's no way that you can, you know, well, of course, the left is going to, you know, they're already blaming Trump for it. They're already trying. Um, but I think we're at a crossroads, man, in, in, our, in our country because uh, you see what the leadership's doing. I just saw a video where the lieutenant governor of Nevada was drug out of a county commissioner's court like by two security guards. They literally threw him through the uh, metal detector and he fell down, the thing fell on him uh, because they didn't like what he was saying about, and I didn't, I didn't read the whole thing because I was already disgusted. Uh, it doesn't matter what the guy was saying, uh, that is, that is not okay. Uh, but that's where we're at. We're at a point where, I mean, you have people saying stuff uh, 
that your freedoms don't matter. Well, I've always been one that, that believed that, that I have my rights, but my rights end where your rights begin. So if you don't like chocolate pudding, I'm not going to take a bucket full of chocolate pudding and throw it in your front yard. All right. Now, if you like vanilla pudding, well, I might, I might out of the kindness of my heart, take you a bucket of vanilla pudding because that's what you like. But I can't force that on you. I can't say you're going to eat this just because it's what's right. It's what we deem right. And that's the problem is that we've allowed so much of our civil liberties to be taken a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And now they're, they're doing these sweeping things. They're making horrible decisions. First off, overseas. I've never in my life. But you have to understand, too, this guy worked with Obama. Obama was the biggest friggin', hey, we're going to move our troops uh, on the 15th of the month. And, uh, and we'll be out of there by the 17th, you know? And so every friggin' Nimrod that wanted to make a name for themselves just set themselves on the road out. I mean, how stupid do you possibly get tele, you know, telecasting our troop movements to the world? Uh, but this guy, you know, that's what, that's where he was at when he was vice president. And now that he's president, it doesn't surprise me any that, that he's uh, making the same poor decisions, that his party's making the same poor decisions. Well, were you su um, were you surprised that we only took that one attack while we were withdrawing? Yeah, I was completely shocked. I uh, I still don't know what to think about it. But I, I, it hurts my head when I try to think about the intelligence community that we have the troops on the ground that we have, the special forces that we have, uh, all the technology that we have, the allies that we have. And we decided to put ourselves in the Alamo. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me, man, any way, shape or form. And I'm and, not, I'm not asking you to armchair quarterback. I, I just know that you have a certain level of, expertise experience in that world yeah. um and there's nothing that, that you or i could talk about here that's going to change anything that happened last month but i will tell you it, it did kind of knock me on the, my feet on 9 11 thinking we're back to square zero over there and every day it seems like a uh, more and more square zero a lot of what we went over there for yes we went over there to kill bin laden but what people forget is that we also went over there to free girls. We also went over there to get rid of the Taliban. That was all stated goals from Bush and carried on through through Obama. And I think, honestly, the first president that really said this is kind of dumb was Trump. And then Biden kind of, regardless of what you think of him, kind of felt the same way as Trump did. We It's time to come home. I mean, I, I personally am a fan of picking up our toys and bringing them home and if we can drop a few hundred thousand tons of bombs on the bad guys while we're leaving i'm cool with that too we didn't do that um we actually seem to have a fairly oddly okay working relationship with the taliban as we were leaving 
Did that part surprise you? Yeah, the what surprises me the most is um so Trump did a lot of unorthodox things that nobody's ever done before. You know, he sat down with Kim Jong-un over there. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the man, but I was a huge fan of what he did for our country. Um, he sat some of these guys down and, and in my mind, it was like, all right, look, you little shit. Uh, you're going to straighten your butt out or else you're going to have the entire might of the United States military wipe you off the face of the earth. That's how this is going to happen. Are we good? Yeah. All right. We're good. Let's go. Now let's go take some pictures and, and show how awesome we are. And, uh, and so I think he did that with the Taliban too. I said, listen, you know, I can just load up all my planes with a bunch of Moabs and turn Afghanistan into glass, or you guys can, you know, abide by these sanctions until we get out. And if you do that, then, you know, you'll have some dirt to come back to. And I think that was actually working. Um, but the whole concept, man, like even when my, my dad was, was in during the, in the right after um, Korea, when they shot that U2 down in, uh, in Russia, you remember that the big, Oh yeah. 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 And so when my dad, when we asked my dad, Connie and I went to go see that movie that, uh, that Tom Hanks did Bridges Spies. And, um, and so I went back, we were talking to my dad about it and he got so mad. He called that pilot out by name and he's like, dad, sorry, SOB, you know, he should have swallowed the pill and ran that plane into the ground like he was supposed to, you know? And, and he was pissed off that this guy didn't follow protocol, you know? And so our whole lives, man, we're, we're taught that you never, ever, ever, ever deal with terrorists. You don't negotiate with them. You don't make deals with them because they're terrorists. They're not going to stick up to their deal. Um, unless you have a big enough stick, you know, like we did in World War II. I mean, once we dropped the bombs in, in uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I mean, that was the end. Of, like they were, there was no more will to fight from those people. And, uh, and so he had a big stick and he, he, you know, he used it. And I think that's, I think that's what Trump did. I don't think that's what Biden did. I think Biden is, is uh, such a weak figure on the world stage that our enemies are like, yeah, whatever. I mean, even the UK has called this out uh, and talked about how weak we are looking on the world stage. And that's concerning, man, for people like us who are veterans who have seen, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't go into combat, but I know you did. I know you saw those forward areas and those combat areas. Um, it's terrifying to think that our enemy now, once scared of us, sees us as weak. And to me, it just invites another 9-11 on American soil. Yeah, it, the next several years are going to get interesting. Um, I'm not as pessimistic about seeing another 9-11. Uh, I don't know why. I, I really don't think we're going to see anything like 9-11 ever again. I think it was a one-off that got that slipped through the cracks. I hope I'm right. I really do. I hope I'm I right. Hope so too. That being said, um, I do worry about us at home, though. I think 
not to harp on the domestic terrorism thing, but I do think we, like you said earlier, we're going down a weird path right now. Um, and I'd love to get the input from your constitution guy. Like, is there a path to save the Republic? Or are we going to go for a friendly divorce? You know, what? No, I'm going to tell you, you have to go back and look at the last podcast. Um, Ben Hagar is a, a active duty Alaska National Guardsman uh, who's absolutely in love with the Constitution. There is a former uh, legislator from Texas named, uh, I think his name is Mark Green. It may not be Mark, but I know his last name, Rick Green. His name is Rick Green. And up by Austin, by in Round Rock, they have a thing called Patriot Academy where they teach the Constitution the way it was written and amended, not the way the Supreme Court voted on it or, or interpreted it. What they've done is they've gone back to the, all the letters that went back and forth between all of the people that were at the Continental Congress, okay, to see exactly what their intention was with the different articles that they wrote and the different parts of the Constitution. And so they can give you actual intent and that being said, uh, the way that we move forward is that we get enough states to convene what is called the Convention of States. It's an Article 5 of the Constitution. And it says that three quarters of the states are needed to convene the Convention of States. And I think you need 38 states to ratify whatever happens. Now, if, if a Convention of States is convened, if we get 34 states on board and they convene the convention of states, what does that mean? That means that we, the people, can amend the Constitution. Well, it actually means something far deeper than that. I have, I have lived and hoped for a, a constitutional convention for a long time because everything's on the table at that point in time, including, but that limited to, an amendment that says the United States of America no longer exists. They can you could write, do that. Yeah. So it, 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 it's a very creepy high stakes game, but I love it yeah. because it completely writes out the federal government. And, and that's the thing about our Constitution is. What Joe Biden, Trump or whoever's next n does not realize is with a constitutional amendment, there is no say from two of the three branches, the process for doing it without the convention of the states is the senate and the house will pass a bill that will be blah blah blahs the 28th the 28th amendment will be blah 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 that bill does not go to the president that bill gets sent to the states for their legislatures to ratify them once three quarters of the states ratify that the president has no say the Supreme Court has no say. You could literally make an amendment that says every Wednesday you can murder two people. And people can contest that amendment in the Supreme Court. But because it is part of the Constitution, there is no judicial review on amendments. Right. So everything's on the table with a uh, with a convention of the states. And I just love there that is. idea. But again, you have to, the, the framers intended it to be this way so that even if you even if you convene the convention of states, even if you got it convened with 34 states 
and you amended the Constitution. Now, what the con- what the Convention of States, if you go to their website, what they're pushing for first is a balanced budget, and then the second thing they're pushing for is term limits. I think if you put those two things in place, you change the landscape of the government, and you you take some of their bite away from them. Because look, let's face it, some of the biggest problems that we have in Washington are these forty and fifty year incumbents. That's the problem. They don't give a crap about people. They give a crap about living on $175,000 a year, but they live in a $5 million mansion and it's one of five that they own. They're there to get rich. The original intent of legislators, because the legislative branch was supposed to be the strongest branch of the, of the federal government. But the intent was that these guys, when they weren't legislating, would go home to their farm that was right next to yours and mine. They would go to the same church we did. They go to the same stores that we did. They attended the same meetings that we did. And they had their finger on the actual pulse of their local community. So when they went back to legislate, they took that with them. You know, hey, these taxes on this and that are too much for the farmer because, you know, we're having trouble buying grain or whatever it is, right? They were never intended to live in Washington for 40 friggin' years and get rich off the American people. And so I think if you convene a convention of states, you balance the budget first. Uh, first off, if you balance the budget, you kill most of the Democrat bills because they, they're they just all about deficit spending. It was the Democrats who first tapped into the Social Security Fund, you know, which it may not be there when I get there because of that nonsense, that deficit spending, borrowing from, what do they call it? Uh, stealing from Peter to pay Paul, uh, which is what they've been doing. And then, you know, some of the other money that goes to federal things like to, to pay for abortion, you know, which shouldn't be there. Uh, and then other things like, you know, a lot of them set up, uh, nonprofits and then they put some of their family members in charge of it and that's how they funnel money to themselves that's how they have millions and millions of dollars and as long as they keep the constituents the rich and constituents in their area happy with legislation that lets them hide more money they get their money too and so i think if you do term limits man that's going to be huge that, that would be a game changer in itself but yeah. you're right by the yeah. same token you have to be very careful because they can amend the they can make any amendment, and if it gets ratified by the states, it's law. Yeah, I, I'm actually thinking we're, and I know this sounds really weird coming from a veteran podcast, but I've, I, I'm looking at at this point in time, a nice happy divorce would probably be the best outcome for this country in the next fifty years. Um, we play too many team sports, and out of all the people I'm going to quote, I never thought I'd quote this person on a. On this podcast, AOC said it perfect. How am I in the same party as Joe Biden? Went right when he started to run for president. And her point was, I have such different views from a fellow person who also calls themselves a Democrat and who is considered a leader of the party. How are we in the same party? Well, how is someone from uh, what's her district queens i think in new york in the same party as a democrat who's in iowa 
in rural Iowa? Or uh, how is Dan Crenshaw in Houston the same person in the same party as someone up in Montana who has 60,000 people that he is responsible to and Dan has, you know, half a million. Yeah. So I, I, I think at this point in time, figure out a good way to say, uh, let's try this again in a couple hundred years. And it's not, it's not the, there, I am part anarchist in, in the sense of just let me be me. Let me go do what I got to do. Keep shit out of my life. That being said, this is more of a self-preservation act because I think the further and further we get divided, the more likelihood of a non-peaceful divorce is going to come down. And that's a terrifying thought. I don't have kids. You do. Um, I'm not married. You are. And I just feel like the more and more we drag out craziness, the more and more there's a possibility that uh, craziness may come to our door and violence may be needed. I don't want to see that. Been there, done that. Yeah. Have the stupid purple thingy to prove it. Yeah, I I don't want that either. Uh, you know, I didn't serve in combat, but I will tell you, if you come to my doorstep and you threaten my family, uh, you're gonna get answered with lead. I mean, that's just all there is to it. And I have no problems. Uh, you know, people say, well, you don't know until you've been. I no, I've not ever been tested. But if it comes down to me or or somebody trying to hurt my wife or my family. Uh, I'm not going to have any trouble pulling that trigger. I may have remorse later, but, you know, I've drawn my pistol before with the intent to use it. And so I have no doubt in my mind that if that threat is there, if it comes to my doorstep, you know, um, and, you know, I'm not a prepper. I'm not some kind of, you know, savage beast that uh, is all crazy and, and has an underground bunker and all that stuff. Or do I? Yes. No, I'm kidding. Uh <laughs> But, you know, you've been out to the place and I have a very defensible area and uh, I'm up top of a hill. And um, and I have thought about things like that. I have thought about because, you know, I-30 is right here on the back of my property. You know, what happens if those nuts in Austin run amok and decide that they're going to come and attack, you know, San Marcos and New Braunfels and Seguin uh, for whatever reason, you know, for no reason. And the scary part is that I think our country is on the verge of that. I think people are like, you ever watch TikTok for five minutes? People are so polarized. There, You got guys putting on their gear, making stupid videos, uh, you know, and um, and then you got people that are like, you know, the polar opposite. And I just think that our country is at a point, and I, I pray that it never gets to that, but where you actually turn citizen on citizen, man. I mean, I, I think we're already... Uh, in a civil dispute. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. You there. know, yeah. we're, we're there, we're in the middle of it. And if we can't resolve that civil dispute civilly, it's going to turn into a civil war. Uh, and the problem is, is that it would be the most awkward civil war you've ever seen because you would have people from both parties or both stances in every state. And I don't think you would have a, it's not going to be like this, the civil war where you had North against South. You know, I think in, a, in the situation that we're in today, you would have this quarrel in every state, you know? Well, as and a, to me, that's scarier than. I posted this on tw shit Twitter before the election last year. 
because, you know, people were calling for if if Trump wins, we need to succeed or we need to revolt. Well, what people forget is there has only been one successful American revolution. And the everything else has been a French revolution, meaning shit gets really bad. It gets really ugly. The reason why the American Revolution ended up the way it did was because we weren't trying to overthrow a government. We were trying to get that government to leave this territory. We never had any intention of going to London and killing King George. Every other revolution in history has been about deposing the leader and then you go factional. In the, the closest thing to the American Revolution, sadly, was the Civil War. The South was not trying to gain territory in the North. They just wanted to be left alone, to do, be their creepy, slave-owning selves. We didn't stand for that, but their intention was never to, to intentionally dethrone Lincoln or, kick, or, or kill Lincoln and occupy Washington or New York. But when we get to these things where we're as tribal as we are right now, um, shit goes bad. It it gets ugly. An American Civil War today would look more like Iraq in 2006 to 2010. It would be almost a, a religious war, sectarians versus... You know, left versus right at that point in time. And it's going to get really, really ugly. On that happy note, how are the cats doing? (laughs) Yeah, we could go down that road all day long. Uh, The coffee business is doing really well. We uh, we have four uh, white label. uh, White label is something that we pivoted to. I was going to ask, how Uh, did you make that choice? What's that? How did you make the choice of going to white label? lack of revenue <laughs> so we uh you know my original goal was to get the 250 subscribers i'm at 13. uh that wasn't working very well so um we decided you know uh <laughs> i was probably doing in the neighborhood of four thousand dollars of revenue a month uh before i left my job which was what led up to us leaving the job i think one of the mm-hmm. lowest months in a year was like thirty four hundred dollars and coffee um, sales. Yeah, and coffee sales. And so I was like, okay, this is this is enough for me to walk away and and not worry and not stress and everything, you know, is good. Well, then February, the month that I left my job, February 28th of 2021, when I consolidated the bills that month, uh, I was somewhere around $700 of revenue. And then the following month was about 650. Uh and then, you know, it just it it just kind of flattened. It was staying right there. And I was like, Oh my God, did I make the right decision? What am I doing? Uh, but it's kind of funny, man. Steve Harvey talks about, um, he wrote a book called jump. And, uh, he talks about how like every person is, is born with a God given talent and that God given talent is your parachute. And if you don't ever get to the edge of the cliff and jump, you're never, ever going to know, what God's going to do in your life. Cause that parachute will open. You might like free fall for a little while. You might hit a couple of stumps that are sticking out of the mountain. You might hit a couple of rocks and get dinged up a little bit, but 
if you have enough faith in God, God's going to open that parachute and you're going to come to a non-lethal landing. And so, but if you never take that jump, then you're never going to know what's in store for you. And so taking that leap, leaving when I did was kind of scary. And then the following months were hitting all those sticks and rocks on the way down. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, come on. Is this thing going to open up or am I just going to go splat? You know? And so uh, we, you know, I went back to my, my, my number one catch all and I was praying and my family was praying and my close circle was praying. And, um, and we were trying to think of ways to generate revenue and income in my close circle. And I was like, man, why don't we do white label and let somebody else worry about getting subscribers. Uh, and then you just do a monthly thing with that one person. And so I reached out in the vet veteran community first. I'm going to do this for the public, but right now it's just in the veteran community because I figured this would be a great beta test. This will be, this will be a way to, to, to prove, you know, get proof of concept. And so I made a post in the veteran group that we belong to, you know, 15,000 people. And, um, and what happened was uh, I got like 40 hot leads. And so as we started going through there, some of them were tire kickers and some of them were, uh, you know, they wanted like, they wanted everything for nothing. Uh, and, and then some of them were very rational about it. And it's, so it's an easy way to make the way I sell this and the way I, I'm committed to sell it is it's a stream of revenue for the individual that wants to do it because I'm going to give you the coffee at such a great price that there's no way you can't make money off of it. Now you're not going to get rich off a bag of coffee, but at a minimum of $4 a bag profit to the end user, that's not a bad market. You know, that's not a bad no, not at all. price point for somebody that, that doesn't have anything invested into the company. I'm the one who invested in the roaster. I'm the one who invests in coffee. Uh, I'm the one who, you know, is spending money. So do I get paid for that? Yes, I do. But the discount that I give white label is at a point where they can make at a minimum $4 on every bag of coffee they sell. And it's their logo. It's their story on a bag of coffee. It's just my coffee. And so uh, we decided that we were going to try that. And four people immediately sent me graphics. I actually have more graphics that I've got a couple more that are also in the makes. Um, and, and that is, I haven't realized revenue from it yet. Uh, other than initial buy that people have done, they've done initial buy-ins. Um, and so that that's revenue. But what I'm looking towards is I've got a guy right now selling subscriptions for 30 days. Once he's done at that, at the end of that 30 days, uh, we're going to know what that monthly you know, order looks like. And then I can replicate that with the other three, get them to do the same thing. Hey, get your subscribers, get them to start subscribing to your coffee, you know? And as we get those going, well, now instead of me trying to get 40 different subscribers, I've got five people and maybe they're each getting 40 subscribers. And I'm still selling 40 bags. Now, instead of selling 40 bags, you know, I'm selling a hundred bags or whatever. And so uh, it's just a way for us to build a business. Uh, and it's a little more direct because I don't have a storefront. I don't have a coffee shop. Um, 
And so it's a little bit easier for me with the business model that we have, which was to do e-commerce, you know, hopefully that grows into us opening a place in town. I'd love to have a storefront, you know, where people can come and see the roaster and watch us roast and buy coffee. Uh, but you know, the white label was just, a it was just a way to pivot, man, when I wasn't making any revenue. And, uh, and it's definitely helped in the interim too, because people, I had a guy that with no minimums and no, no minimum buy-ins, uh, bought $2,000 worth of coffee from me. Wow. And so, and that was all, you know, just us going back and forth. And he's like, well, no, man, let's do a, uh, cause I told him, he said, you can, you can, as long as I don't have to do a, a lot of work on your graphics to put them on my labels, you know, there's no setup fee. There's no startups. Now, after the first of the year, we're going to open it up to civilians as well. And then there's going to be a $500 buy-in. And we're working on a website right now where when you, when you come to us, we're going to say, great, here's the website. Go pick out your bags, pick out your, drop your logos in there. And then we'll mock a bag up for you. And once you approve it, uh, you know, you'll place the initial order. And so after the first of the year, there's going to be a $500 buy-in. That's going to include bag setup, graphics, you know, and your first order. Damn, man. And so that's how we kind of got there. So, okay, final question for you. This one's going to be a difficult one. And you can't answer your own coffee. So when you go on a road trip and it's going to be longer than it takes for you to get home to make your own coffee, what's your preferred coffee? Ooh. Um, wow. That's a tough one. I would tell you that probably the best cup of coffee I've had outside of my shop was at the Jerusalem grill in San Antonio. Uh, and it's Turkish coffee. Oh, nice. Nice. My, um, I'm a, not a coffee snob, but I will tell you, I will not drink Starbucks. I had some two weekends ago. I was doing the thing with the Navy. I almost vomited. Um, anyone want a free Starbucks gift card? Someone sent me one. You can have it. I'll burn it. I, I just don't know what to say. Uh, outside of your coffee, which I've had, what, twice now? Yeah. I would say road trip coffee, 7-Eleven. It's just, it, it's average, but it's still decent coffee. Um would never go to a major coffee place. I just feel like they're all trash. Yeah. So, so what's next for you as we're looking at uh, the beginning of the fall going into 2022? Is it going to be a good year? Yeah, man, I hope it's a great year. We started uh, by popular demand against my own uh, intuition because I don't like flavored coffees. But we've uh, started, I just roasted pumpkin spice, caramel macchiato. I'm sorry, this podcast is now over. You said the PS <laughs> word. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh, maple nut at the request of one of my customers. Uh, and then also for the, for the uh, city of Seguin, they've asked me to do a pecan roast. And so I have some pecan wood that I have got that I'm waiting um waiting for it to um, uh, to dry enough to use it in the roaster. And I'm going to do a pecan roast uh, that is going to probably stick with us because uh, Seguin, uh, they do a lot of stuff with, you know, pecan capital of the world and all that. And so uh, I'm going to uh, 
I'm going to do the Pecan Fest on the 30th of October here locally. And, uh, and we're just starting to get into some of the local businesses here. People are starting to find out who we are. I didn't start out in my backyard because uh, going to a legitimate business from a hobby was, was an accident. It was COVID caused. Uh, when COVID hit and they shut the country down, people started buying coffee from me. And I was like, oh, crap. You know, I'm having trouble keeping up with orders here. And so I was, you know, working 12 hour shifts and then I was at home for another six hours doing coffee before, you know, I was just like being in the military again. And, um, and so we, uh, we, uh, it was just, it was just insane, but, uh, I never stopped, stopped to think, Hey, I got to start in my backyard, you know? And so since then we've aggressively pursued a lot of the businesses here in Seguin, uh, we've, we're starting to work with people to get our coffee in their businesses and stuff like that. And uh, and that's starting to happen, as well as working with the city of Seguin to do things like the Pecan Fest and, and other events that they have. And so um, I, I see, you know, I'm hoping that that uh, I would like to have 10 white label customers by the end of the year. Uh, we have five right now. Uh, so five is not a huge number. Uh, you know, we have a big event coming up in November. Uh, in Houston, the uh, Humble Alpha Veteran Empowerment, which was the event that we did here, we were have we're called the Half Five because we we did the initial uh, in person have mission. It was Mission Zero Zero One, which you were part of, uh, and now they're having a live event with about 500 people uh, in Houston, November seventh and eighth at Rowdy's uh, in Spring, Texas. Uh, and uh, I think all day the 6th is a women's event. And then all day the 7th is the Veteran Empowerment Business Accelerator. And then the 8th is going to be a uh, is going to be a plant and animal medicine uh, overall well-being conference a symposium, so to speak. Um, and we are entering. They partnered with a group called Street. And I'm not going to get the lot street something. It's a the military entrepreneur uh, challenge, and there's eighty thousand dollars worth of free money to win at this thing. And so, you have to you have to submit a video of your business, and you have to write you know a lot of information about your business, and they're going to start selecting. And once they get that down to three finalists, those three finalists are going to go on stage in November at the Humble Alpha Veteran Empowerment conference and you're going to do a live pitch oh, wow. for the win and the winner gets fifteen thousand dollars cash uh second place is like six thousand or something like that and first i mean third place is five thousand or four thousand and then there's thirty thousand dollars worth of free legal uh prizes that go to the winners and then there's thirty thousand dollars or ten thousand worth of legal and then thirty thousand worth of um courses that you can take scholarships for business and so all that's happening in november we're participating in that we're going to try to win that good luck um, i think i think you guys will be up there pretty high yeah i'm hoping but you know there's always somebody out there that's like you know paying gold star family children to go to college you can't compete but with that's that, not man. a business though that 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 i do have an issue with that so that's not a business that is a charity yeah. and if they're doing charities as a whole different category then hey yeah but if it's looking for yeah. an entrepreneur you're looking for a for-profit thing but yeah. 
I'm wow. going to be respectful of your time. Um, thank you so much for coming back on. Anytime, man. And I'll be Anytime. out. I'll be out there to see you soon. Yeah, man. We got to go in the back and shoot bows. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com, on Instagram, The Modern Ronin, on Twitter, at TommyChase01. And you can always support us at modernronin.locals.com. This is our locals group, and it would be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.